Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. Christina and I have been in our current apartment for a little over six years. And we live on the top floor of our building, and we absolutely love it because we face uh, the woods. There's nothing behind us except for trees and a little creek. Right? Uh, there's there's uh, deer. We see deer. We see foxes. Uh, we see uh, a weird random person doing Tai Chi in the creek. Right? It's amazing. It's a beautiful view. It's peaceful. It's like we're living in a tree house. Now, we watch the trees. They, we watch them change every season. And when there are storms and the wind is blowing, we watch the trees just sway back and forth. And sometimes we even open the door on our deck to see the rain hit the leaves and just hear that noise. Right? We love our view. One year, we even watched as a squirrel uh, built a nest at a tree that was a little, a little far off from our deck, uh, but we could still see it while sitting on our couch as, as the squirrel built a nest and had babies. We named the squirrel Louise, <laughs> and each day we would look out at this little squirrel family and watch them grow. The, there's only one problem with where we, we live, our apartment. We get absolutely no sun, like absolutely nothing. No sun hits our back deck. And my wife, bless her heart, as they say, in the South, every year she would have amazing intentions of growing plants on the back deck. And every year they will die. Like, they just do. One year, she tried her favorite flowers. Well, those flowers, they need a lot of sun. And so after a few days of careful watering and tending to, they just died. They died. Right? The, the next year, she did her research, and she found out about some plants that were supposed to grow in the shade and do really well in the shade. And with excitement, she she planted the plants in brand new planters that she made me go buy. And after a few days, uh, they started to wither. And they too, not long after that, died. Right? For whatever reason. Lack of sun. I tried to tell her, but she wouldn't listen. And this kept happening year after year after year, season after season. And after much frustration, and this year Christina wised up. Right? She, she did her research, she, she sought some help, and look at, at these beautiful plants that Christina planted on our porch. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. You know what her secret was? They're fake. Yeah, they're fake. They're not real. Right? They're not real. They're fake. Christina, she, she tried and she tried. She finally gave up. She went to Hobby Lobby and bought some beautiful fake flowers. That's what she did. Now she has the planters of her dreams, and these flowers, they will never die. But you know what else? They will never be alive either, right? They're just, they're fake. They're certainly beautiful, but they're, they're not real. So, so here's the thing, right? As we've been going through this series, we've been talking about what God calls the fruit of the Spirit, 
the fruit of the Spirit of God. And over and over again, we have said that the fruit does not come from us, but it comes from an overflow with God. It comes from us being connected to him, from us forging our life on him, from us just like what we prayed about just a few minutes ago, about about forging our life on him and nothing else. And when we do that nothing else, when we do forge our life on something else uh, other than him, we go to him and we say, hey, we were stupid, forgive us, let us take our hand off the top of the cup and you overflow it, fill it, Lord, tongue-tied there. That's what it's about, right? And so if you have your Bibles, let's just kind of review where we've been. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you. That's the page number. Galatians is a small book that is in the New Testament. The, the Bible is broken up into two parts, the Old Testament, the New Testament. So it's towards the back of the Bible. Use the table of contents if you have to. No worries about that. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it says, against such things there is no law. Now, All of these characteristics that we've been uh, looking at, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, everything that we talked about the past few weeks, they all come from being connected to the vine. That's where fruit comes from. you got to be connected to the vine. We can do nothing apart from him. And we've said this every week, and this week we get to the final three attributes. Right? We get to faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I think this week we'll, we'll find that there, this is where the rubber hits the road, right? Where it meets the road, that saying. Right? This is where the, the tiger gets its stripes. However we want to put it, this is where it kind of, for me at least, starts to get very, very real. Right? This is where we find out if we're truly bearing fruit. Or if we're just like the flowers that Christina planted in those planters. Pretty on the outside, dead on the inside. Right? Not, not real, fake, opposer, right? Faking it, right? Because here's the thing about faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Unlike the other characteristics that we've talked about, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, and, and goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control, the last three, these characteristics are not so much outward-focused. Look, right? These qualities are not so much about how we treat other people as much as they are about how we control ourselves. They're a little bit more inward-focused. right? Then that's, that's what is going on in here. Right? Inside of ourselves, right? So, so look at it like this. Faithfulness is the ability to control your wandering heart. Right? We're, we're all prone to wander. We're all prone to forge our life on, on stuff that is not God. Right? The God of the universe. The great I am. Right? And then gentleness is the ability to control our strength. Right? 
to, to control our, our abilities, to control our giftedness. Self-control is the ability to control our desires. Right? Do, do we have that discipline in our lives? These characteristics of the fruit, if we go all, all the way with the fruit analogy, are not the, the bright color of the fruit or, or the leaves growing off of the fruit. They are not the outside, but they are the inside. They are the, the seed. They are the stem. They are the, uh, the core. Right? They're the thing that shows this connection to the spirit of God. Right? They're not the things that everyone talks about, but they are very much necessary. Right? And so, sorry, church, but because these characteristics are about control, and really discipline, self-discipline, which is just a nasty word in today's society, there's nothing flashy about them. Right? There's nothing flashy about these last three attributes, like nothing. Right? They're not glamorous. Think about it, right? If you are, are full of joy and you do kind and loving things for other people, people, people notice Faithfulness, on the other hand, does not attract that type of attention. In fact, the only time faithfulness gets any attention is when people are not faithful, right? Faithfulness is not flashy. It's expected, and it's downright hard, right? And it's the same thing for gentleness, to control that strength, and the same thing for self-control, Right, to, to let go of our own desires and wants. Now, if you're a parent of young children, or if you can remember that far back when you were one back in the day, some of you got to think farther back than others. <laughs> what is ironic is that these qualities, these last three of the fruit of the Spirit of God, are what we really want for our children, are they not? Right? We want them to be reliable and obedient. We want them to respect authority. We want them to demonstrate self-control in their lives. So how much time uh, do you or, or did you spend as a parent telling your kids to simply obey? Obey or to do what you, you say because you are the, you're the parent, right? That's why I can't wait until I have kids, right? Because I said so, right? It's going to be my favorite saying. It just is. All right? or, or, or to control their words and watch what they say. We want that for our kids, right? Or to stop eating cookies for breakfast, right? We harp on kids and children about these things because deep down we know they are important, right? That they are, are desirable, that they are needed to be a functioning member of society, right? If a child grows up without the ability to be faithful or obedient, we know that there's going to be trouble in that kid's life, right? If they do not know how to submit to authority and keep their mouth shut when they need to keep their mouth shut, right? We know it's going to cause problems. It just is. If they cannot control themselves and right, if they just give in to every impulse, we know that down the road it will be hurtful to them and probably everybody around them. Right, and now look here real quick. This is the tension when it comes to, to these last three attributes. Even though we know it's important, right, uh, faithfulness and, and gentleness and, and self-control, even though we know it's important, it doesn't make it any easier for us to do, right? 
It doesn't make it any easier for us to do these things or to teach these things, to share these things, or just let alone pursue these things in the world that we live in, right? I mean, don't we struggle in all of these areas? I mean, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Aren't we all just grown-up children who need someone to tell us to get it together, right? All right, why, why do we have such a hard time doing these last three things? Why do we have such a hard time giving up control or maintaining control? Well, I know that there are several reasons, layers to this onion that, that are there, but I just want to highlight one today. And if I can, I want you to watch uh, the church's social media or my social media this week because there's going to be a few others that are on there that... Um, uh, time wouldn't allow us to dig into. Uh, so I'm just going to highlight one today and then watch the social media of, of the church or myself later this week to dig into those others. All right, but the, the, the first one comes down to this. If we're honest, these characteristics are a problem for us because if, if we're very honest, control is the issue. Right? Control is the issue. Control is not really something we want to give up, nor is it something that we really uh, have. And so we're like, ah, oh, we always want more of it, and we don't want to give up the precious little bit that we do have. And that is what holds us and keeps us from these last three qualities. Right? Let's real quick, just if you're in your Bible, you're in Galatians, flip back towards the beginning, just a few books to the book of John. John chapter 15, verse 5. So again, in the New Testament, towards the beginning of the New Testament, still in the back of your Bible, use the table of contents if you need to. But if you flip back from Galatians, John chapter 15, verse 5 kind of highlights this. All right? It's, 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 it's uh, John writing this, and it's talking about um, how Jesus is, is wanting us to, to kind of abide and bear this fruit in our lives. So verse 5 says this, he says, I am the vine, you, us, right, are the branches, whoever abides in me, and I in him, he, it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing, <laughs> all right, right, to, to bear fruit, to bear faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, we must be connected to what? The vine. Who's the vine? Jesus, right? Our Lord, our Savior, our God, right? We cannot just be pretty fake flowers stuck in the dirt like my wife's flowers, right? Sorry. Right? We have to be connected to the Spirit of God. Life force, connected. To Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our King. You see, vine branches don't have to try to abide in the vine. They just do. They're just connected. The only way they become detached is if someone or something detaches them. Not so with us. Right? This, is, this is where we become strange branches. Right? Branches that are prone to wander. Right? Like English ivy, but... On its own, still not connected, right? Prone to lose control, like what was that? Kutzu? What? That, that, that's a 
Okay, that was it. All right, we're prone just to lose control and go everywhere on our own, not even connected, right? Staying put in the vine is something we don't do. Abiding, like it says here, for us is a discipline. It's something that we have to attack and strive for and work for and to do each and every day. It takes some work, some control. And why we are prone to leave the vine we love Because we are easily deceived into believing that we ourselves are vines, not branches. Goes back to control, right? Satan's original lie was simply this, right? You will be like God. He's the chief of liars. He's the, the master deceiver. And his lie was so simple, right? The first lie that ruined mankind you will be like God. Control. Right? That is, that is what we want to be. We want to be the vine. Right? We don't want to be a branch. We want to be the vine. We don't want to be just hanging out there. Right? We want to bear our own fruit. Right? We, we want to be like God. We want control. But look. Look at this. Right? But to have faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, we must be willing to give up our desire to be the vine. Discipline, sacrifice, give up our desire to be the vine and connect to the true vine. It takes work. Allowing God to overflow in our lives. Now, real quick, let me, let me zoom out here. Just like every other characteristic that we've talked about in this series, you probably will not be surprised. This isn't going to be a wow moment for you to hear that God embodies these qualities. Right? right? It's just to where God is. That's why they're the fruit of his spirit. Right? The faithfulness of God is celebrated throughout the Bible. So just to zoom out here for a second, I'm going to read some verses. You know, I'm not going to give you time to look them up, but you can write down the reference if you want and look at them later. But in Psalms chapter 33, verse 4, it says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Go to the, go to the next one. Right? And Lamentations, chapter 3, this is, Lamentations is a book about lamenting. Right? The Israelites are lamenting because they messed up again. They've been overtaken again. Like, they're just ruined. Right? And so they're, they're like, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed with, with all this crud. All this grind, all of this loss, all of this sin, all of this stuff around us, right? We are not consumed for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. Next one. The Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Second Thessalonians. <laughs> So look at this, right? God is a faithful God. God. The God that we forge our life on is a faithful God. Man. I think we would have a hard time. I know I would. I think I would have a hard time forging my life on a God if I thought he might abandon me at any moment, right? Or if, if I thought that he might not come through on what he said or promised 
in his word. Right? It's hard to be connected to something that is always moving. It's hard to be a branch that bears fruit when you never know where the vine is going to be. But we know that our God is faithful. That he's just, he's true, he's faithful. Right? His faithfulness is great. Not only is it big in its abundance, but it goes on and on for all of eternity. That's why the author uh, said God's compassions are new every morning. Every morning. Right? Look look at it like this. Right? God is a God who keeps showing up and doing what he says. He's never going to fail. He's never going to leave. He keeps showing up. And he does what he says he's going to do. Foundry Church, we want friendships with people who are faithful, right? I know I do. We want to work with people who are faithful. We want to be married to people who are faithful. We want our kids to marry people who are faithful to them. We even want our pets to be faithful. Right? I get a little side-eye when someone like starts petting Barton and he loves them a little bit too much. like more, Right? Right? You know, I'm like, hey, buddy, you're my dog, right? All right? For real, right? I mean, we want, we want faithfulness. We want gentleness. We want self-control, right? And that is who our God is. Right? I love this story of a professor. I'm going to mess this up. I, there's a movie about him. I should have watched the movie. I've just read, read articles about him. But he, he's a professor from Tokyo Imperial University. Uh, his name is Professor Uno. Um, and he has a dog named Hachiko. Did I say that right? Has anyone seen the movie? All right. Every morning, maybe this will jog a memory. Every morning, the dog would walk with the professor to the train station where he would head off to work. He would get on the train. He would ride to the University of, of Tokyo, the Imperial University there, and he would teach. And after teaching his classes, he would take the train back to the station where his dog would be waiting there, right there for him at the platform to walk home with him from the train station. Now, two years later... After this dog, and they did this every day, uh, Uno, the, the man, the professor, he died suddenly of a brain hemorrhage while he was at work. And that evening, he did not return. Right? For the next nine years, the dog went to the train station to wait for the owner who never returned. Right? Now, Hachinko, the dog, did this until he died. Until the dog died. Every There is a statue today of the dog at the train station, a testament to faithfulness and loyalty. Now, don't you love that? Don't you just love that? Isn't there something about that story that just gets down into our heart? My point is, is that we are just simply drawn to faithfulness. It's not flashy, but we appreciate it. We desire it. We admire it, right? And according to the Apostle Paul, who wrote this in Galatians, it is one of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit of God. It is a byproduct of being closely connected to the Spirit of God. It's an overflow, like we've been saying, of our connection with Jesus. Our faithful God can put more of his faithfulness in us. I mean, look at that. Go ahead and put that up there, Carol. Right? Our faithful God can put more of his faithfulness in us. Right? We don't have to clench our fists. We don't have to 
uh, grit our teeth and determine to be more faithful. Man, I'm the best at that, right? I can, I can will myself to do just about anything. I can. I, I, in my mind, I'm like, I can survive that for whatever length of time. I can do that. I can, I can make that happen. I'm good at that. But I'm also good at getting halfway through it and failing. Right? Right? Just being honest, right? I can will myself to start anything, right? But man, finishing, that's a different story, right? And sometimes I, sometimes I, I got enough whatever to get it done, but it's nothing of eternal importance. It's like enough willpower just to drive past Taco Bell, right? <laughs> right? We don't have to clench our fists, grit our teeth, and determine to be more faithful. Remember the fruit like we just talked about, is a natural result of being attached to the vine. And we are not the vine. Don't believe the lies of Satan. Right? We simply have to be open to God moving in our lives in that area, in the area that we're pursuing. Right? We have to humble ourselves before him and acknowledge that we need his help. Right? Around the time that, that Paul uh, wrote about the fruit of the Spirit, he also wrote a letter uh, to the church in Corinthians. And in there, go ahead and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians real quick. And in their culture, there was a lot of temptations. It would have uh, been a, a tough place to show a lot of self-control. <laughs> and it, it just would have been. They had uh, everything. Uh, right? And just like the culture that you and I live in today makes it tough to be self-controlled, theirs was like heightened even more. Right? Paul, Paul wrote this in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. Let me go ahead and, and turn there as well. First Corinthians chapter 10, I'm sorry, verse 13. Says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Right, now, Founder Church, right, in other words, he's saying don't panic. Right, don't, don't freak out. Don't, don't go crazy here. You're not the first person to face this. Right, to us, Paul may have said it like this or something like this. If you're tempted to lose your temper, if you're tempted to eat too much, drink too much, uh, exercise too little, you're not the first Right? Don't give in. Right? And so he continues, verse 13. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Now, Founder Church, right? There it is again. Right? Just like all those other scriptures that we looked at, there it is again. Another reminder, right, that, that our God is constant, steady. He's unchanging. He's a rock that will never change, that we can trust on and depend on. Then Paul finishes the thought, and this is where it gets really cool, this, the, the final parts of verse 13 of, of chapter 10 here. He says, you'll not be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation you will also be provided the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Right, God has promised to help us with his empowering grace. 
with his, his truth. And remember, he is a faithful God. Right? So, so if he says uh, that he will help us and show uh, self-control, he will help us show self-control. So often when it comes to, to staying faithful and, and demonstrating self-control and, and these attributes, it's a lot of times it's a me versus them mentality. This is how we think of it. Me versus them. Right? Them meaning the things that tempt us. <laughs> For example, me versus overeating, or me versus looking at inappropriate websites, or me versus flirting with a person at work who's not my spouse, or me versus drinking too much, me versus on and on and on it can go, right? But according to Paul, God will provide a way out. And according to Paul here, self-control is one of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. It is an overflow of him, like we've been talking about. So with that in mind, a better way to think about this is like this, me with him. Right? Instead of, uh, of fighting your battle against the things that tempt you, ask God to fight your battle for you. And with you, side by side, with you, instead of fixating on the thing that challenges your self-control, fix your heart on the spirit of God. He's the one. He's the powerful one. Let him work through you because, look, when you abide in God, you overflow with faithfulness. That's what it comes down to. Then you have, you have self-control. You have gentleness in your life, right? When we abide in God, you overflow with faithfulness. There is faithfulness that comes from him, humility that comes from him, self-control that comes from him. We can listen to podcasts all day long and make more resolutions to be more committed, to be more self-controlled. But we have to remember that all we have to do is stay connected to the vine and we will produce the fruit. Right, there are areas where, where we're abiding, we're being invited to abide means a total dependence upon God. And that starts with us looking in his direction and focusing on him. So, so how can we put this into play? How can we put this into practice? I'm sure there's a lot of ways. But I just want to suggest just a couple real quick as we finish up today. First, you have to humble yourself before God. That's why we pray prayers of confession. That's why we, we, we say, Lord, I, I'm not that strong. I need you. Right? That's what gentleness basically is. It's humility. Right, contrary to what you've heard, gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is controlled strength. Right, one of the strongest men that I know is my brother Mike. Mike is 12 years older than me, 12 or 13 years older than me. And he's always been like this larger-than-life giant in my, in my a presence in my life. Right, when I was in elementary school, he was like graduating from high school, like when I was in kindergarten or something. Right, one time I was, I was getting on his nerves, and I vividly remember him picking me up and just hanging me in a sleeping bag from the door. Like, he put me in the sleeping bag, shut the door, and I just hung there. He was supposed to be getting me ready for church. I'm just hanging in the sleeping bag. Right? Now I'm, sure, I'm sure I was driving him nuts, but I, but I remember more just being in awe 
right, of how he was able to do that, right? How he was able to just, like, pick me up with no effort and just toss me across the living room onto the couch, right? I thought to myself, man, what a man, right? He just, and I go, fine, right? But here's the thing about Mike. Besides that one time with, with um, his annoying little brother, me, right, he's the most gentle man I know, right? He's Ferdinand the boy. You think I'm big, right? Mike's lost, Mike watches every Sunday, He's lost a lot of weight, but, but he's still, like, he's, he's, Mike's pretty tall. He's a tall man, all right? He's a big guy, but he's like Fernand the Bull. He has two daughters, and I'm sure that he's had more tea parties with them than anyone in this room, all right, as they were growing up, right? That is gentleness, right? It is the ability to humble yourself and know that your strength is not always needed as much as just your presence, Right, God is the strongest being that there has ever been. At any moment, he could send down thunder, and he could send down lightning and wipe us from the face of the earth. I know you don't hear that a lot in churches, but he can do that. He's God. He's all-powerful. We, as humans, are pretty big screw-ups. I'm sorry, but we are. We just are. And he could have have used his strength to bring us to our knees at any moment. But instead, our God humbled himself. The strongest being ever humbled himself. He controlled his strength and he came to earth in the form of a weak man. Instead of the God of the universe. In order to be in our presence. And that's why we celebrate communion each week. Because we deserved a death sentence. As it says in Romans, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. We've all failed. We've all sinned. We've all had to confess things to God that if the person sitting next to us found out what we were, were confessing to God, they would never look at us again, let alone be in the same room with us again. But yet, God said, you're good. I got this. And he came to this world. We need to control our strength, humble ourselves before him as well. And acknowledge that Jesus did what we can do not, cannot do for ourselves. Right? As, as people who follow Jesus, right? if, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, if you've made that him the Lord of your life, you've accepted his salvation, why do we act like we're the ones who have to figure out our faith and produce fruit on our own every day? If we would just take our cue from Jesus, the ultimate champion, right? Humble ourselves before him. Connect to the vine and allow him to take care of things. Our lives would be so much easier. Humble ourselves before God. Second, we got to be confident in his faithfulness. As we've said many times today, God is a faithful God. 
He, he does what he promises to do when we are more confident in his faithfulness than we are more committed to being faithful to him. Right? When we know that we can trust his faithfulness, we will submit to his authority. When we are sure that he will always be with us and help us, when we have that faith, then we will have more strength to demonstrate the self-control that we so lack. Remember, it's not me versus them. It's me with him. He's with me. Right When we are confident that we have a big, powerful, ultimate champion who's a loving God right with us side by side, day in and day out, we will have more power on our journey as we forge ahead, as we take ground for the kingdom of God, as we walk in the will that he has for each and every one of us. Now, as the, the team comes back up, I want you to remember... This, when you abide in God, you overflow with faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we abide in him, when you let his spirit lead you, you stay committed to him and the people that he has placed in your life. He gives you more gentleness and self-control. I know that these things sound difficult, but that is why they are parts of the fruit of the spirit and not parts of the well-behaved Christian. They're not our power. It's not, we don't, it's not, we're not responsible, right? If we could make it happen on our own, we wouldn't need Jesus. We wouldn't need his spirit, right? He gives us power to take care of the lives that he has given us. And so as we finish this series today, uh, my challenge to you is this, keep these attributes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Keep them in front of you. These sayings, right? Let them sink into your mind and into your spirit. Remind yourself often of the characteristics that will overflow in your life when you stay connected to the spirit of God. You may discover them changing you for the better one day at a time. Abide in him. And those nine characteristics are going to be set loose in your life in ways that you can never imagine. And this world will not be the same. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to stand together and we're going to, we're going to sing a song. And as we're singing it, just like we always do, I invite you to come forward and take communion. Go ahead and stand. We're going to sing about abiding in the presence of God as we finish today. And you can take a piece of the bread if you call Jesus your Lord, if he's your heavenly father. Take a piece of that bread, dip it into the juice, or take one of the cups. And remember that Jesus is the power that is at work within us. His spirit, that he's the one that produces this fruit in our lives. And because he went to the cross for us... This world can be different because of our abiding in his presence. So let's worship together and take communion together as we sing this last song.